You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Well, welcome to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Eric Kahn. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing the major misconceptions and lies told about the patriarchy. That's right, we're dealing with the 11 biggest lies feminists tell about patriarchy. And for those who haven't listened to it yet, I did cover in a previous episode, which was titled, What is Biblical Patriarchy? We laid the case for Christian biblical patriarchy. And this case was largely from scripture, also dependent heavily on Zach Garris's book, Masculine Christianity. I plug that book a lot because I love it. Uh, I've worked pretty closely with Zach on a lot of the content for the show, and his book has been tremendously helpful. Zach is a good friend. And so if you haven't checked that book out yet, I would recommend it as well. So what I want to do now is jump into the 11 biggest lies that feminists tell about the patriarchy. And again, I'll give credit to Zach Garris. He and I worked on this project together. The patriarchy has fallen on hard times. Feminist, evangelical, and otherwise blame patriarchy, well, for all of society's ills, as we've said. And even most conservatives seem to be allergic to the word. So a good question is, why would we defend patriarchy? Well, to start, the term is an accurate description of the Bible's teaching that God designed men to rule in the home, church, and society. The English word patriarchy is formed from two Greek words that together mean father rule. In this sense, patriarchy is a gentle term. It refers to the rule not just of men, but of fathers. Moreover, the term complementarianism is really not all that helpful. It's clunky, it's hard to spell, and includes a wide variety of views on men and women. There are currently fights between narrow and broad forms of complementarianism, with the narrow form resembling its alleged counterparts, egalitarianism. Thus, while finding much agreement with broad complementarianism, we prefer to embrace the word patriarchy. In doing so, we seek to redeem the word, and the best way we see to do so is by refuting common misconceptions about the patriarchy. Here's a look at the 11 biggest lies feminists tell about patriarchy. Number one, patriarchy oppresses women. This is the most common charge against patriarchy. Allegedly, most societies throughout history have practiced patriarchy, and they have simply kept women back from their, quote, true potential. This charge assumes the foundational principle of modern feminism, that women are best off by taking on careers just like the men, rather than embracing the duties of marriage and motherhood. Yes, women are free today to choose alternatives to family life, but in so doing, they have traded the greatest natural gift God has given them, children. Instead, they've taken on wage slavery and the drudgery of office life. Moreover, this charge fails to distinguish between different forms of patriarchy. Male rule is inevitable, but that does not mean it is always good. There are ungodly forms of patriarchy that have included abuses of women. We are not defending them. Rather, we are arguing for a Christian patriarchy. We are arguing for the patriarchy of the Bible, which begins with God the Father sending his Son to redeem us and bring us into obedience according to his law. And God's law requires men to take responsibility for providing and protecting for their wives for their daughters, and for their children. It requires women to be helpers to their husbands and to submit to them. 
Number two, patriarchy devalues women. Some forms of patriarchy think lowly of women, considering them inferior in worth to men. But that is not what Christian patriarchy holds. The Bible teaches that both men and women are made in God's image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.27 Together, both men and women are children of God and thus joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8.17 and Galatians 3.28 and 29 However, God has also designed men and women differently, seen in their different bodies and personalities. God has placed duties on men and women corresponding to these natural differences, and he has made them to relate to one another, you guessed it, differently. Women are not to hold positions of authority over men, including in church or civil government. Rather, women are to submit to their husbands. This is God's way of honoring women, not devaluing them. When women are protected and provided for, they are then truly free to fulfill their joyful calling as mothers and helpers to their husbands. Number three, patriarchy leads to violence against women. There is nothing in the Bible advocating violence against women. On the contrary, the Bible requires the men to protect women, even laying down their lives for their wives, just as Jesus gave himself up for his bride, the church. We see this in Ephesians 5.25. Violence against women does take place in this fallen world, including and very sadly in Christian marriages espousing male headship in the home. However, there is also violence against women in egalitarian relationships. In fact, feminism has contributed to the breakdown of the family, and domestic violence is much more common among non-married couples. The fact is that in a fallen world, there will always be violence committed against both men and women. The question is, which societal arrangement is best equipped to limit violence and to protect women? The answer is undoubtedly Christian patriarchy, where men are taught to honor and protect the women in their lives. Number four, patriarchy prohibits women from working. The Bible does not prohibit women from working. Rather, the Bible calls women to focus their efforts on marriage, home life, and children. The Apostle Paul commands older women to, quote, train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, Titus 2, 3 through 5. Paul did not want younger widows to remain single, but he called them to marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, 1 Timothy 5, 14. Here's the reality. Homemaking and childrearing are work. We need to stop saying that a stay-at-home wife doesn't work. She does, in fact, work, and she works very, very hard. And the truth that women need to hear is that homemaking and children do not leave much time for work outside the home. A wife can contribute to household income, as the Proverbs 31 woman did, by selling her merchandise. But money-making is the husband's primary responsibility, not the wife's. If there are not children in the household, the wife may consider a part-time work outside the home. But careers, professions that often require extensive schooling and years of continuous work, get in the way of home life and wifely duties. Number five, patriarchy opposes women's education. Women should receive a strong education in childhood as well as training to be a godly wife and mother. There are also benefits to women receiving a college education. A good Christian education is a blessing to both men and women. The concern that Christian patriarchy has is that many women today are pursuing education and career to the neglect of marriage and children. 
The birth rate is dropping drastically in the West, and much of this is due to women trading motherhood for careers. Thus, Christian patriarchy calls women to seek marriage and children and to avoid extensive schooling that interferes with these pursuits. A woman should not bring debt into marriage, and she should not unnecessarily delay childbearing well into her 30s. Number six, patriarchy disregards a woman's opinion. This really is a ridiculous charge, but it is still a very common one. While a woman is under the authority of her husband, it does not follow that a woman's opinion is unimportant. Godly men listen to their wives, mothers, sisters, and daughters. They take their opinions and their desires into consideration and they seek their best in all things. Only a weak man disregards input from the women in his life. The strong man listens. He hears and even seeks his wife's opinion. He may disagree, of course, and the wife should submit to him when he does so. The king, after all, listens to his queen and seeks what is best for her and the family. Number seven, patriarchy prohibits women from studying the Bible and theology. The Bible calls for pastors to preach and teach God's word to all people, which includes women. So this false charge could not be further from the truth. Women are to study the Bible and theology and to apply these things to their lives. We're even encouraging women to listen to this podcast. Women should read the Bible regularly and men should regularly be reading scripture with their wives and children. Number eight, patriarchy prohibits women from all Christian ministry and teaching. Women can and should still minister to others in the sense of serving, without being pastors or elders. Yes, a woman should not teach or preach to the congregation. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15 and 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. But that leaves plenty of other opportunities for ministry for women. Women should first start by serving their husbands and children as well as being hospitable and welcoming others into their homes. They should help other women in the church and in the community. They can share the gospel with unbelievers they meet. Of course, they should be a part of evangelism. They can be involved in mercy ministries by serving as assistants to the deacons. 1 Timothy 3.11 Older women should be discipling the younger women, training them to be good wives and mothers. Titus 2.3-5 Now there is a question as to what it means for these women to, quote, teach what is good. While the text does not explicitly prohibit women from leading in something, say, Bible study for women, the goal of this teaching is to, quote, train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. In other words, while teaching doctrine is a task primarily given to the pastors and elders of the church, women are to focus on training other women in the duties of being a good wife and mother. Number nine, patriarchy is unbiblical. Male rule is all throughout the Bible. Though God is spirit, he has revealed himself in masculine terms, emphasizing his kingship and rule over humans. God consistently raised up men to lead in the Old Testament, including Abraham, Jacob, Moses, and David. And he did so in the New Testament, right? The 12 apostles were men. When God became man, he took on the body of a man, not a woman, and Jesus reigns forever as the God-man. God has given rule and authority to husbands and fathers, as we see in Numbers 30 and Ephesians 5, 22-31. Feminist attempts to counter the obvious, well, they are futile. Number 10, patriarchy makes women unhappy. Actually, when godly women submit to godly male rule, the women are quite happy. 
God knows what is best for us, and he has given us instruction for godly, joyful living in his word. So really the question is, what does the Bible teach about male rule? Feminism cannot be found in the Bible, and that is because it did not originate in the Bible. Feminism is rebellion against God and his word. It is unbelieving man's attempt to undermine godly authority structures. Moreover, there is plenty of data suggesting that feminism is actually making women very unhappy. In the West, there is an alarming rate of children growing up without fathers. Divorce rates are astronomically high, and sexual immorality in female careers are so normative that many young people struggle to find a spouse. Many women are staying unmarried and or childless well into their 30s and 40s, thus leading to a future lonely, childless generation. Is this the recipe for female happiness? The obvious answer is a resounding no. Number 11 and finally, we can live without patriarchy in egalitarian bliss. While egalitarianism and feminism, it simply does not work. There must be a leader. And God has made man dominant, which is why all societies are patriarchal. Even in our current feminist society, men still rule. It's just bad men taking advantage of women. Instead of women being protected and provided for, they are used and then discarded. Thus, it is not a question of whether patriarchy, but which patriarchy a society will adopt. The world does not need more feminism or soft Christianity. What the world needs is what God has set down in his word. The world needs Christian patriarchy. Well, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. We deeply appreciate all your support and listening along as we continue to produce great content for recovering and reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. If you're not already a supporter of the show, I would encourage you to do so. You can check us out on Patreon or you can go to ericcon.com and you can support the work there for as little as $5 a month. There's some pretty awesome swag that you can also purchase, including pint glasses and t-shirts. That's another great way to support the show. And of course, you can go wherever you listen to your podcast, but especially on iTunes. And be sure to leave a five-star review. That definitely helps us out. Leave your feedback. We appreciate that. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight act like men.